and welcome back to another episode of Conversational Witchcraft on the Kuchina Aurora Kitchen Witchery Podcast. I am Dawn, I am your host, I am the Kitchen Witch, and I am super excited because today I've got Dodie McKay, Dodie Graham McKay, is here with me today. Uh, she is a writer, a witch, and a filmmaker cannot wait to talk about that. She is inspired to document and share stories that capture the beauty of nature and the visible and invisible realms of magic and witchcraft. Her documentary, her, excuse me, her documentary films include The Winnie Pagans and Starry Nights. She was the Canadian correspondent for The Wild Hunt and facilitates a busy coven. Her book, Earth Magic, was released in October 2021 and is already in its second printing. Wow. Jodie, welcome. Hi there. Hello. Welcome, welcome. So you're up in Canada. Yep. So it's fucking cold because we're recording this in February. Yeah. And it's not going to air until, I don't know, I don't know, maybe May. We're going to air in April or May. I don't know. I don't have the exact schedule. But I'm looking forward to spring. Uh, I like living in a place where I have seasons, you know? I lived in Florida for a while, and I didn't enjoy that because it was 80 degrees the day before Christmas, and I was like, this doesn't feel right. (laughs) (laughs) It just doesn't feel right. Well, we have seasons here, and right now it's the cold attacks my face season, (laughs) and it's really cold. Um, While you're right, it is February right now, and it's minus 18 degrees Celsius, With a wind chill that makes it feel like minus 31 degrees Celsius. And I have a five-month-old puppy that needs to go outside every five minutes. So I've come to really appreciate the hardiness of dogs because she's a little trooper and she will do that. But uh, yeah, it's cold. It's, It's cold and I cannot wait for spring. I would hate to have to be a dog and poop in the cold. Do you know what I mean? Like having to go outside in the cold and and your and your mom is standing there being like come on and you're like (laughs) i'm literally freezing my ass off uh i don't know why i just got this is not the way i normally start an interview dodie i swear it is not well you know i I was going to launch into the benefits of cleaning up after a dog in the cold so you know (laughs) what are the uh, benefits of cleaning up after the dog maybe we need a different kind of podcast you know maybe 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 we do need to. I I I tend to stack all my my interviews in a couple of hours or a couple of days, and I just got off of another interview, and it was really serious, and it was very like, you know, a lot of a lot of serious topics and everything. And then the minute I turned the microphone off, we started cracking up, and we started telling jokes, and she's like, "You need to." do like a comedy podcast. I'm like, I swear to God, I'm usually much funnier. But the topic, <laughs> the topic we were talking about was like serious, like mental health stuff. And we just needed to keep my myself together. And now I'm kind of letting out all the silliness. So I apologize. <laughs> because I'm usually I'm usually much more uh, reserved. In any case, I am really excited that you're here. And I'm really excited to start talking with you about your the, Earth Magic is the most current book. Is that correct? Yes, this it, Earth Magic was released in October of last year, October 2021. Yeah, so how was that for you cuz my book came out this uh, in 2020, 2020. You know, all this mid-covid book releases is that it, it sucks, right? You know, it, there's not a lot of glory or glamour being a pagan writer, right? True. And it, you know, it's not like 
it's not like it will ever pay our bills or, you know, you know, get us on the New York Times bestsellers list. So there's little things that I was really looking forward to doing. And I had this big fantasy that the book would come out. And I know a lot of people in Canada and the United States. And I thought, oh, I'll get in my car and I'll, I'll go on a road trip and yeah. I'll, I'll do some workshops, you know, just, just for fun. And that was like the carrot on the end of the stick. You know, I'm mm-hmm. going to go visit folks and, and talk about earth magic and it's going to be really great. And, and, and then pandemic and everything's shut down. Right. And, and right now things are starting to relax a little bit and we've got a trucker convoy blocking the nearest uh, border crossing mm. into the United States. And, you know, people are acting strange uh, in these times. So maybe it is a good time just to hunker down and write another book and, and cook a lot of homemade food and, and do a lot of canning and do a lot of, you know, witchcraft related crafty stuff. Right. Those home crafts. Yeah. Those, it's, those it's, things we've gotten away from that are magical in nature um, that now all of a sudden, because in the last two years we've been stuck at home, everyone's like, oh, I'm going to make sourdough bread. Oh, I'm going to learn how to can. And we witches are over here going, welcome to the party. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Where have you been? <laughs> no, I, I, I completely, I'm sorry. I have a little, see, there he is. Look at him. Look at him. Let's see the kitty. There he is. Oh, hi kitty. That's Ollivander. And he's very fancy because he's wearing a tuxedo. It's his little, his little tuxedo spot. He's still- uh, I'm going to argue that's not a tuxedo. I would say that uh, knowing what I know about black hats, when they have this white spot right here, yeah. that's called a trouble button. Is this your trouble button? Yeah. Don't press it. Don't yeah. press it. <laughs> yeah, he's the troublemaker. He wants you to think that he's um he's sweet and kind, but he's he's a tr- definitely trouble. And they're babies. I have two of them, and they're babies. They're they're about eighteen months old, and they're eighteen pounds each. So they're they're ginormous. Um, so Earth Magic. Let's get back to this. So you are a writer. You are in film. Mm-hmm. I want to know how you came from a film background into a writing background, or did the writing start first? Uh, well, uh, both things were accidents. I actually came out of, uh, <laughs> uh, my first love for work was working in music stores. Um, you know, if you've ever read the book, High Fidelity or seen the John yes. Cusack film, High Fidelity, yes. all the scenes in the film or the book that are in the record store with all the weird guys that work there and the strange, like name your top 10 favorite songs about gumdrops or whatever. <laughs> That was my life for 18 years. And I loved it. I loved it. It being that kind of nerd and, you know, just collecting vinyl and going to concerts six or seven nights a week and participating in the music community was, was such a, a wonderful dream for a long time. And then a big life change happened. A whole bunch of stuff kind of all happened at once. And, um, uh, Napster came along and the whole uh, community that was around supporting musicians and the music industry and music stores, you know, we used to have like big chain music stores mm-hmm. and lots of independent music stores, lots of secondhand music stores. Oh, yes. It all started to crumble because music became no longer valuable as an art form. It was just something that you stole yeah. basically off the internet. And uh and, you know, some artists managed to keep it going and find inventive and innovative new ways to, to share and, and make music. 
But for a lot of us who were, I used to call us the support staff, right? That that's that created communities in in, in music stores and 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 uh, you know attending concerts and whatnot. We all kind of got a lot of us got kind of lost along the way. I mean, yeah. those communities do still exist in a, in a different way, but but not like not like our heyday. So uh, one day. Uh, I got a call from a friend of mine who was working in a film production office and they just, she just like, Hey, are, you need something to do. Like, we just need somebody to cover the phones here for the summer. I'm like, well, okay. Yeah, sure. Yeah, I can do that. Just I, like, I, I need a thinking, job, right? Yeah. Well, I needed a job. I was, I was kind of planning to leave and, and move to a different city and was just kind of dismantling things in a way that I could do that. And, uh, and yeah, somehow it that stuck. That was in two thousand five, <laughs> and it just wow. it was like Gilligan's Island. I couldn't get off the island once I was there. And uh, and you know, so so f- the film thing came around. You know, working in a production office came around sort of backwards. Right. And the writing thing uh, came out of my relationship with uh, the Wild Hunt. Um, yeah. Uh, Heather Green reviewed a short film I made called The Winnipegans, which is a, a you know, I live in Winnipeg and I was made a film about the pagans here. So called it the Winnipegans. Um, so Heather reviewed the film and wrote an article also about the film. And we, that's how we got to know each other. And then when she took over as the editor of the wild hunt, she asked me if I would be interested in being the Canadian correspondent. So I did that for about four and a half years. Wow. And, uh, and that was a great, it was kind of one of those meetings that, that just sort of, Changed a lot of things. Yeah. So when Heather um, went to work at Llewellyn, she pitched this idea about writing a, a four-part series about the elements of witchcraft. Mm-hmm. And part of that was that she would find four very different and distinct writers to each write an element. And she knows a lot about sort of my attitude and, and my politics and my witchcraft. She's like, you're going to write earth magic. And when she first emailed me about it, I thought she was like joking, right? but she wasn't. And it hit me when I was driving home from work that afternoon, you know, sort of replaying the day in my head. And yeah. I'm like, wait a minute, Heather asked me if I'd write a book. And oh I, I thought she was pulled over, right? you know, pulled out my phone, quickly, you know, messaged her back saying, you know, no, wait a minute, just sunk in. Yes, I'll do this. Right. And because you don't believe it's like surreal. You're like, yeah, yeah, of course I'll write a book. Yeah, no problem. And then you're like, wait a minute, you were serious? Yeah. Well, no, I, <laughs> I, you know, because people always say, hey, man, let's start a band together. Or, yes. you know, let's, let's go travel the world together. You know, people say stuff like that. But no, she meant it. Um, so, you know, I, I had such a great time writing the book because a lot of what's in this book are things that I do and things that I care about and and things that I wanted more people to think about. Yeah, and I got an opportunity to put that all in, in a book. the The worst part of it was all the stuff that is still sitting, waiting to be published somewhere that just couldn't fit into this book. Right. You know, like if you read the Elements of Witchcraft series, uh, each book follows sort of the same template. You know, sure, for consistency's uh, sake. So there was a whole bunch of stuff that I wanted to that I wrote that I yeah. wanted or that I have notes on or that is like sketched out that I really wanted to put in a book about earth magic, but you know, I'm hoping that that can happen in the not too distant future. I'm sure. I'm sure because it's like the depth of knowledge, you know, it's earth magic going deeper, you know, it's, it's, yeah. it's, 
you know, 101 and then 102, you know, but I, I'm really interested in the journey, right? So I'm going to go back a little bit further and you loved working in music. Um, I'm a big music nerd. I have a musical theater background, which I know for somebody who's into like rock music and pop music and metal music and, and cool music as my husband is, um, he's like, theater music. Um, but, uh, I want to, let's go, where did that come from? Where did the love of the music come from? And where's, was there any, are you a musician? Do you play music? You're not, you're just one of these people that really absorbs. I am musically hopeless. Like it's, it's the biggest pain of my life. You know, I just, just, you know, everybody's doing like pandemic decluttering. I, I finally just sold my acoustic guitar. Like, four months ago. Like I just, I got it for my 16th birthday. It just never stuck. I just, I just don't have that thing, you know? Um, But I always, I just always remember being around music. Um, My mom takes credit for it because she read in some baby book when I was uh, an infant that if you left a radio on in the baby's next to a baby's crib yeah. it would keep them calm and makes sense and f- i i didn't grow out of that until i was in my 20s like i had to have music playing in order to go to sleep and to this day i can sing along with just about anything on nostalgia radio right because because right. it's like I, in- ingrained in you since yeah, birth yeah right yeah i yeah. i love that so much but there's there's a magical to me there's a magical connection between music lovers and magic. And that's why I bring it up. So many people that I've interviewed on this show have said when I've asked them about early influences in their magical workings or looking back um, into, you know, their childhoods and their adolescence as to moments where they felt that first connection with a higher being or a higher spirit or, or connection to spirit in some way. So many people have related that back to music, whether it was listening, mm-hmm. playing, performing. Um, so I'm wondering if there is anything about your experiences early on with music, because music is just vibration, right? That you can go looking at it, pinpoint and go, yeah, I remember feeling this connection or there's a specific band or a specific singer that really made you go, Oh, like I, you know, I get this. Like, did you listen to Hendrix for the first time and be like completely transcended? And like, this is a completely different thing, you know? You know, that that's a that's a really really hard question, actually, because I'm I'm looking around my office and and you know you can't see this, but across the room from me is I've got a wall of LPs, and it's like, would one of those be more transcendent in that sense than another? And I can't, I can't connect music necessarily to magic in that sense. Interesting. I will say though that there are, uh, you know, if I my one of my favorite recording artists of all time is Roy Harper, and there are times when I just can't believe the beauty in his songs. I just can't even imagine how a human, a, a mere human, pulled that off. But I will say though that that sort of gateway drug to magic came very, very early in the form of books. Really? Absolutely. Wow. Tell and me about the, that. 
Well, books, books were, uh, I spent a lot of time with my maternal grandmother when I was a small child. And to her, books were uh, a real status symbol. If you had a good library, if you had an attractive bookshelf, it really said something about you as a person. And, and she wow. was really invested in that. And, you know, my grandparents were not wealthy people. Mm-hmm. Like my granddad was like in the Air Force and, you know, my, my mom and her siblings grew up as Air Force brats. Yeah. And so they moved around a lot. So for my grandmother to be hauling around books was just like insane. Right. Yeah. And um, all of all of her books came from uh, book of the month clubs. So she get those oh, like, like the Reader's nice, Digest book of the month kind of. Yeah. Yeah. Well, a nice hard hardcover editions of like classic literature oh. or, um, you know, be- bestsellers of the day kind of thing. Yeah. So there was a lot of, you know, Bronte sisters and you know, uh, Dickens and, you know, a full set of Encyclopedia Britannica. Of course. And fairy tales. Oh. Beautiful hardback editions of all the Grimm's fairy tales, that wow. kind of thing. Wow. So those were really, really important. And I, I, I love them because the, you know, more original editions of fairy tales weren't as, weren't Disneyfied yet, right? Like they were a little They're darker. Harsh. Yes. Yeah. And, and the magics are, are just part of the story. They're not the story, you know? Mm-hmm. So that, that was always really interesting. And having encyclopedias to read about and, and looking at the pictures in a big old encyclopedia of like, you know, people in different cultures or, or yes. things that are in museums yes. and artifacts from, from the past, you know, archaeology type things. Yeah. Um, wow. It's a little brain really, really fired up. Right. And in just a the different tactile. way than we see that with children now. Oh, yeah. Everything is on the screen now. And, the, you know, what they're looking at, although it might be like educational or inspirational, it's not the same no. as a, the tactileness of opening that book and seeing the glossy picture. And what is this a picture of? Let me read, you know, like that whole experience. So different. Well, and and uh, as a kid, you know, I'm talking like six, seven, eight. If something was in, like, if you're looking at an old book and you're going through all the black and white pages of text with small black and white photographs, and then you get to a a glossy, full color plate. Yes. Like, that thing in that picture must be super important. Yes. If it merited being featured in such a way. Yes. So that's the thing you want to read about, right? Yes. 100%. And then the smell of a book, right? Like, the smell of an old book. There's nothing, there's nothing like that. The tactile nature of the pages and the excitement of glossy images. I mean, it's, it's so provocative for a kid to get hooked on that kind of thing. And engaging so many different parts of the brain, right? Like I am a tactile learner. I am not a great reader, right? So I was never that kid that could read something and regurgitate it back to you. I needed to listen to it. I could recite song lyrics for days. I needed to watch it if it had a story and it was engaging. So film, TV, um, for me, were like things that I remember. I don't remember things I learned in books, but I remember the feeling of, as you're saying, holding that book, seeing Mm -hmm. the, the photographs. It plays to how we learn and it plays to the energies that we, uh, identify with and what, what is, going to spark that interest in us, right? Well, and and also, there are books that I wasn't supposed to read. Ooh, don't you love that? 
I loved it. I didn't love that. I loved it. Like there were books that I would be told, oh no, those are, those are for when you grow up. You can read those when you grow up. Those are for adults. Mm -hmm. Well, naturally I'm going to sneak those books. As soon as, you know, granny's asleep, I'm going to sneak out and grab that book and I'm going to read it. Uh Right. And you know, that was so like sometimes now as an adult, I look back and go, I wonder if she said that just to provoke me. Do you remember any books in specific that she said you shouldn't read this? And then you went and you read it. Oh, 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 do I ever? Because I was about eight years old and I found this book in the bookshelf and it was a hardcover book with a white dust jacket that had snakes around the border. And it it looked really, I don't know, colorful and interesting. And it was, and okay, eight-year-old girl obsessed. I had a little diary of my own that I would write little with a little lock and a tiny little key. Remember Uh those? Yes. Um, And this book was called- <laughs> the book I wasn't supposed to read was called Diary of a Witch by Sybil Leek. And my grandmother had ordered it from her book club because she thought it would be like a, a, a scary book. And that was something my grandmother liked scary stories. Right. So she got this book and she read it and she thought it was stupid because it was just the diary of a witch. So I showed interest in the book and my grandmother said, Oh, leave that alone. Put the, that's stupid. Don't read that. It's just the diary of a real witch. And you were like, real witch? There are real witches? Hey, I'm relating the fairy tale. Yes. Which is in my head to yes. what I've just been told. And I'm like, holy shit balls! They're real. I love it so much. I was so excited. So, you know, as soon as she fell asleep that night, I'm creeping out. I'm going to the bookcase. I'm, it had glass doors opened up and I pulled the, the, the stupid book about the real witch out. And I read that thing. It was great. And I still love Sybil Leak. So there did, you go. Did you, did you steal it from her cabinet? Like, did she ever know that you read it? Did she ever know that you, did you take it? Did, no, did, I, I read it and I slipped it back in the cabinet. And I'm so sad that I don't have that, that very, I have a copy of that book, but I don't have that, that copy. copy. Yeah. What a fabulous <laughs> story. So there you are. Getting completely inspired to, you know, just those little seeds that get planted when we're kids, right? That those ideas about what's possible, that blows my mind sometimes. Do we have a puppy? Are you about to show a puppy? Okay, so for, oh my God. Okay, for those of you only listening, who, who is this pup? This is Georgia. This is the baby. She's five months old. She's only five and she's very tired. She's just crawling. I've got, I've got a, a a box, a cardboard box with a little a little bed in it for her beside my desk. Oh, so. she's so sleepy. It's hard work being a puppy. Oh, oh my god. <laughs> she's just yawned the cutest little puppy yawned. Yeah, I'm gonna let her go to bed now. But yeah. I, you said you wanted to see I her. So I always want to see animals. I don't care about children. Just show <laughs> me your pets. Yeah, I I, I can relate. Oh, she's very tired. Okay. So back to books. Back to books. Yeah, no, it's it's amazing. So like I said, I wasn't a really great reader, right? As, as a kid, I, learning disability and stuff like that. So my father was very scholastic and he read, like my father was reading like four books at a time at any given time. He'd have one in every pocket of every coat, one in every vehicle and one in every bathroom. So wherever he was, he would have a book that he could read. And he encouraged me to read a lot, but I wasn't good at it. So I leaned much more towards 
film and TV for my entertainment and where I found those influences. Um, but it's amazing to me what we ingest as children and how we can pinpoint those moments and how they impacted us mm-hmm. as to who we are now. So do you look back and go, wow, that book made me want to become X or just gave you the idea of the possibilities of? I'd say, well, I mean, it was definitely a gateway drug into the reality of witchcraft. And I remember what the weather was like that day. I remember I was wearing a a blue t-shirt with little characters all over it. I was um, wearing uh, a pair of like jeans and my favorite sneakers. Like it, it's such a crystal memory. Because right? it was a lightning strike. Yeah, absolutely. Wow. And you know, it's, it's just books are like that, you know, and it's, it's, uh, it's fun to see now how, many books there are coming out about any anything to do with any type of witchcraft or magic there's just such a a a glut of information out there yeah that influx the influx of people being interested in any type of witchcraft spiritual craft um i feel like there's sort of a, a, a renaissance happening right now and i think that's born out of covid i think people have turned back into the things that well, we were saying before we hit the record button, right? That like, we've been doing these things forever. We've been cooking and canning and, you know, making teas and stuff like that. Now everybody's, everybody's home because of COVID. I was locked in the house for two years. And they're like, oh, I want to do that. And we're over here going like, this is what we've been doing all the time. You know? Um, yeah, I definitely think that there's an influx of that. Have you noticed that too? Like um, in film, as you work in the film industry, and I'm a, very, I don't want to say big. I don't want to say, I'm a nerd about everything that I love. So I'm a nerd about food. I'm a nerd about movies. I'm a nerd about music. (laughs) I'm super nerdy. Um, But do you find that those themes kind of work their way into, I know you've made documentaries about the witchcraft community, but what other work has been influenced by this path of witchcraft for you? Well, I mean, in film, I mean, you know, I, 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 I always defer to Heather Green because she's written that great book about um, witches in film, Lights, Camera, Witchcraft. Yes. Um, you know, there's always been a, a, that sort of image of the witch sort of lurking in the background, whether she was a villain like in The Wizard of Oz or, you know, heroes like in Practical Magic. You know, we love those girls kind of thing. You know, there's always been that sort of influence. Um, you know, it... I'm I'm hoping that what comes out of out of this time of sort of enforced <laughs> reflection and creativity that more actual practitioners get involved mm. in creating authentic stories for the mainstream. You know? Yeah. Um I think uh and and you know spoiler alert I've been working on developing projects and um as I'm writing uh, funding uh, grant proposals, like grant uh, applications for for funding to get some of these things off the ground, you know, one of the questions that is asked for in arts grants applications is, if you don't, if you are not a member of the you know cultural community that you're representing, how do you intend to do so with integrity, kind of thing? And I understand, especially in Canada, 
that that is uh, that's a question that gets asked because a lot of uh, non-indigenous folks try to try to go move into an indigenous community and tell their story for them, and there's a pushback because there's you know Obviously, indigenous yeah. filmmakers should be the ones making the films about their communities. Absolutely. So you know it's been kind of fun for me as a, a witch and a filmmaker to be writing funding applications and saying very proudly in my applications that, you know, I am developing this film project about witchcraft. I am a witch and I have been doing this, you know, blah, blah, blah. Mm -hmm. And it's a real point of pride, right? You know, and, you know, that can go one of two ways for me. It can go really well. And somebody could say, wow, everybody's talking about witchcraft these days. Here's a witch who wants to make a witch film Mm -hmm. or, wow, look at this whack job. Let's not give her any money. Right. So it, it can go, it can go either way, yeah. but I'm, I'm just loving the fact that we're at a, a stage of, of our evolution as, as a society that I have the opportunity to at least do that. Yeah. And we'll see how far we'll see, we'll see what happens, but um, yeah, I, I mean, I, it's, that, that's it's, my rant about that. No, I love it. I love it because it, there we are kind of at that turning point where we're seeing that influx in our community, in the witchcraft community, in the pagan community, um, you know, and then you have influences that are maybe not great where young people are coming in to the community and they're trying to learn and they're maybe not learning from the best sources. And, you know, you're like, oh, please don't watch TikTok videos, like go to a local shop and talk to the shop owners and get book recommendations and stuff like that. Um, But I think it's really interesting to see that shift happening. I'm sorry, cat is crying. Um, I don't know if you can hear it over the microphone. Um, I think it's really interesting to be seeing that influx and how these these crafts of witchcraft, meaning the cooking, the canning, the gardening, you know, making things at home, has really taken um, a front seat to other forms of spiritual practices where people are getting a really, really hands-on. And I'm bringing this up because I know that you love to cook and you love food and you were just confiding in me that you wrote like three pages about different kinds of salt. Um, and I just, I just love that. Do you consider your workings with food to be magical workings? Well, you know, this, this is where I could get a kickoff on a hella rant because I think there's a difference between throwing together some dinner and kitchen witchery, mm. right? You know, I, I, I see these memes go by on social media sometimes that it's like, you know, a, a person standing there with like a plate of food going, oh, wow, I'm a witch. I made dinner for my family. I'm like, really? Did you, did you actually do kitchen witchery there or did you put some food together? I mean, th- there's a difference. Not every act we do is sacred you know sometimes they're just survival and I do also recognize that for somebody who maybe relies on fast food or instant food or like boil and bag food um, to actually stop slow down open a cookbook select a recipe pull some ingredients together and actually cook from scratch that 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 can feel like deep sorcery right yeah absolutely absolutely but, but uh you know I I love the process of cooking Mm. and, you know, I love there's, you know, little mindful things that you can do along the way, intentional things that you can do along the way to, you know, infuse what you're preparing with, with magic. Right. Mm -hmm. And, you know, I, I, 
I, my heart gets all warm when, when people get, you know, eat the food and they're like, wow, like this, this, this really tastes like really something good. special. Yes. You know, there's something special going on here. Yes. Yes. Um, that's really exciting. I mean, I, I, I love that. I love that so much. Sorry, go ahead. Yeah. And, and I love, like you, you, you mentioned canning and I mean, come on, there's like a hilarious stereotype up out there about, you know, witches and jars and like collecting. I don't, I don't know what you're talking about. I don't Oh man. <laughs> like cabinets and cabinets of jars. And my husband will be like, what are you going to do with all these jars? I'm like, I need them. I need yes. them. And then all of a sudden I'll be like, fuck, I'm out of jars. And he's like, I know. How did that happen? You have all these jars. I'm like, I use them. Yeah. They're important. I mean, I do a lot of canning, right? Like yeah. a lot. Yeah. You know, when, when, uh, when harvest season starts to roll in, I, you know, I've, I, I, I'm like a groupie for this market farmer that, that I go to every week and I collect stuff from, from this market farmer. It's, it's ridiculous. Like, you know, I'm when, when they post on Instagram or whatever, I'm like heart, 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 everything they post. Mm-hmm. Um, but you know, I picked up 200 pounds of tomatoes last summer. Yeah. And they're, they're saying to me, nobody does this anymore. What is wrong with you? Like I could name five people that do that. At least, okay, they're hanging yeah, out with the wrong but, people. Yeah, but it's it's just not as popular as it once was right. to do these well, things. Well, that's right? because we don't need it. Because food has become convenient, and I identify as a kitchen witch, and I also enjoy convenience food. I'll be very, very, very honest. We all do takeout. We all do box macaroni and cheese. I would like to challenge the idea of not everything is sacred that you said, um, because in my mind, for me, my practice, if I'm doing something with intention, even if it is macaroni and cheese from a box, I consider that to be part of my spiritual practice because it's about the intentionality of it. It's about the energy that I'm putting into it, but it's not something it is. It is. Let me rephrase. It is something that can be done all the time that every meal could have that sort of energy yes. and sacredness to it, but it's not something that you have to do all the time. And I think oftentimes people will say, well, I don't have the energy to do, you know, to do that all the time. And like, you don't have to. That's the beauty of kitchen witchery yes. is that it is there for you three times a day when you stop and eat or prepare food or whatever it is, it is available to you if you so choose to put your magic into it at that time, but it does not need to be, but it can be if you want it to be. Would you agree? I, I totally agree. And we're also allowed to phone it in. Thank right? you. We're allowed to Thank phone you. it in sometimes, you know, right. you need to phone it. in. I just said to my husband last this right before we popped on here, right? He had to work in, like overnight last night. There was no sleeping happening back to the office kind of situation, exhausted. And I just looked at him like, babe, can we please have macaroni and cheese for dinner? Like, is it, like, can I have your permission to phone it in tonight and make macaroni and cheese from a box? It's all, I I left over chili and I want to put that in my mac and cheese and that's all I want to do. Yeah, great. But chili is also prosperity food, right? When I made the chili the first go round, I packed it full of prosperity intention and love intention because of the tomatoes and all of that. So even if tonight I'm just going to throw it on top of some box mac and cheese, it still holds all of that energetic property and all of that infusion of 
vibration and visualization that I did in the first point. So again, there's an easy way to infuse your life with magic through food, right? Mm -hmm. Yeah. So fun. But you're also allowed to take a day off, you know? Yeah. Is that why you can? Like, do you can and jar so that you can put all that intention in? Like you do like all your jarred tomatoes in a weekend full of love, pack and full of visualization, pack and full of intention. And then you can go to the cupboard in the middle of February and be like, look, this is packed with love. Let me just pour it on some macaroni. And that's, I'm done. That sounds completely accurate. (laughs) Yeah. I mean, that's the beauty of it, right? It's all that, that ahead of time. And it's all about that visualization. When was the first time you started canning? When did you realize that there was magic in that? Oh, geez. Um, when would I have started canning? That's a really hard question, too. I'm trying to remember the first thing I canned. I think it was an obsession with pickles. I love pickles. You know, and, and store-bought pickles just kind of suck, you know? Yes. Like they're never garlicky enough. They're never zippy enough. They're never crunchy enough. Never crunchy enough. Never. And, and that's what I wanted, Right. So I, uh, I just up and decided I was going to make some pickles and I didn't, um, I didn't wade in slowly. I went and bought like, <laughs> you know, a 40 pound case of pickling cucumbers and like, just like, okay, this is what go big or go home. Right. Um, and a lot uh, I'm, I'm not much of a, I'm, I'm much more of a, like a salty kind of person. I'm not a sweet person. Me too. Yeah. And, uh, so when my husband and I got together and his sons came as part of the package, what do you feed teenage boys? Well, I know you feed them a lot of stuff, but everything you, know, you looking, feed them, everything that's in the refrigerator, I hear. Yeah. And I was, I was looking at how much jam they were eating and how, what crap commercial jam is. Yeah. It's just sugar like, okay, there's a better way to do this. Like, yes. It doesn't even taste like fruit. Like let's get some, like, so that, that got me into canning, um, preserves like you know jams and jellies and stuff like that and that's fun and um and then I was that was working at for a time with a community association that had this really cool thing that that you could sign up for uh called a fruit share oh this is so cool okay so it's a fruit share and apparently there are fruit share groups all over North America and you sign up And when urban fruit trees, a lot of people have an apple tree or a plum tree or whatever grows in your region that they don't care about, maybe in their backyard or whatever, they sign up for the fruit share and you sign up as as a volunteer picker. And then as things come into season and need to be harvested... Fruit share pickers get a call. You go, you clean up the the yard, you pick all the fruit. The homeowner gets a portion. A charity gets a portion, and then the pickers get a portion of the of the produce. Cool. So, I was doing fruit share picking for a couple of summers, and I was swimming in fruit. And I mean, up here in in our growing uh, area, um, there's a lot of crab apple trees, eating apple, cooking apple type trees. not so much with the soft fruit in this region, but mm-hmm. holy rhubarb oh. and grapes, oh. like, like crazy. So we were up to our waists. Uh, there was one summer in particular, just like oceans of apple butter, just like rolling everywhere. Wow. So it was, a, it was a nice way to connect with uh, the land and come to really understand and recognize what uh, orchard crops we could access in our, in our climate. 
Mm-hmm. And when they came into season and when we could harvest them and, yeah. and what the different varieties of, for example, apples mm-hmm. were available to us. Um, and it was free. Right. And if we didn't do something about cleaning up this fruit, it would just it would fall to the ground. Um, wasps were a real problem because they're attracted to the rotting apples. Mm-hmm. Um, there's only so much, you know, the birds and the squirrels can do. Yeah. And a lot of people plant fruit trees because they provide beauty and, you know, when they blossom, I mean, yeah. come on, that's gorgeous. Yeah. But not everybody really wants all that fruit. So, yeah. you know, a fruit share network is a really valuable thing. So that that really wow. inspired me a lot too. Wow. I love that um, so much. And I, I love uh, one point that you just made about being able to be in the growing season and connecting with the plants and connecting with the mother earth and connecting with the season, um, which is a huge part of my practice of kitchenry and ties right back into your practice and your book of earth magic. So uh, we're going to take like a two second break and we're going to hear from our sponsors and then we're going to come back and we're going to talk all about earth magic, your book and how you practice earth magic on a regular basis. Um, so stay with us. We'll be right back with the amazing Dodie McKay. Guys, I have just got to tell you about the Robin's Nest. If you're unfamiliar with the Robin's Nest, let me tell you a little bit about one of my favorite shops. This is a full-service premier metaphysical shop here in New England. They offer everything from gifts to custom-made crafted potions and wares, magical and ritual items, divination materials, candles, crystals, uh, spiritually designed clothing, uh, ritual wear, books, incense, tarot, oracle decks, and most of all, more importantly, They offer friendship, creativity, and community. Uh, This shop is owned by one of my favorite people in the world, Robbie Packard, Um, and she is a high priestess. She is helping foster a thriving pagan community with kindness and compassion. She's just the most amazing person, and her shop and everything in it reflects her love of community and craft. You will not find a more welcoming space to learn, to grow in your spiritual practice. Everything the Robin's Nest does is within intention of love and bringing community together. Although the shop is located in Bellingham, Massachusetts, you can find them online at therobinsnestma.com. That's therobinsnestma.com. They're offering tons of online rituals, uh, workshops, classes, tons of stuff to get you involved, to broaden your mind and help you on your spiritual journey. Uh, Check them out, therobinsnestma.com. You will not be sorry that you did. Okay, guys, we're always talking about different kinds of readings and divination on this program, but I want to tell you guys a little bit about Sam Balea. Uh, He's an astrologer with over 15 years of experience um, in readings and divination and healing, 
all kinds of great stuff. And he is offering right now one-on-one consultation sessions uh, of of his astrology work. He's known for his daily horoscopes, instructional videos, and he really aims to encourage partnership with the natural forces of our world. Um, So his style of reading in astrology is very accessible, very knowledgeable. He's an amazing astrologer, can really give you a well-rounded reading so you can get to know your chart and what the stars have to say for you. Check out Sambalea and book a reading today at sambalea.com. That's S-A-M-B-E-L-Y-E-A.com. And you can check him out, follow his daily astrology postings and his daily horoscopes at sam.balea.92 on Facebook and on Instagram at sambalea333. And of course, on Twitter at Scorpio Rising. S as in Sam, B as in Balea. Check out Sam Balea, book a reading, get your chart done. You will not be sorry. We are back on Conversational Witchcraft with the incredible Dodie McKay. And just before the break, we were talking about canning and fruit trees and staying connected to Mother Earth through these foods, which as I said, is is a really, really, really big part of my practice of kitchen witchery is the seasonal eating. Um, And luckily enough, we both live in a place where we have seasons and we have that growing season and the cold season and and so on. Um, So let's talk now about how that's I mean, that's earth magic. I call it kitchen witchery, but it is earth magic because you're directly connecting with the earth. Um, What other practices do you do on a regular basis that you would consider earth magic or that we might find in your fabulous book? Well, there is a whole chapter of recipes in this book, right? Yes. I I just desperately want to be like a food writer. And that was like my little, my little foray into it. You know, we were talking about canning. I I don't live in a, in a, in a place where peaches grow, but not too far from here. uh, Relatively speaking, there are two parts of Canada that supply peaches at certain times of year. Mm -hmm. And it's a big deal when Ontario peaches roll into Manitoba. Mm. It's like, it's like, it makes, I go crazy. Like, bonkers for these peaches right and and i will buy baskets of them and i will make peach pie absolutely and i will make peach Mm. jam Mm. so you know things like that it's it's that anticipation of what the next season's crops are going to bring um that's really special um blessing blessing our food before we eat it i think is so important yeah yeah and it's it's not only an important thing you know, to bless the food, you know, it, it's it's kind of a, a universal um, technique that we have for, you know, honoring the the food we're about to eat, honoring the efforts of the, you know, what it took to get the food to our table and thanking spirit for providing these gifts. But um, it's also a moment to like sit and actually look at the faces of the people that you're sharing your food mm, with. I love and that so much. Yes. Well, it's really important, and yeah. and I think that um, when you when you just take a moment to do that, and you, you know, I know that some 
that some people bless their food by bowing their heads and maybe staring into their hands or looking at their plate or looking at their lap or whatever, but to actually to say a food blessing and participate in a food blessing with your chin up and your eyes on the faces of the people around the circle, um, it might only take 30 seconds, but those memories of past feasts and meals or, or even just, you know, snacks with friends or family, those are the memories I have. They're like mm. photographs in my head mm-hmm. of really special occasions. Life you know? and connection and memories happen over the dinner table or the yeah. coffee table or or the bistro table. They happen over meals and moments, right? A cup of coffee mm-hmm. with a with a little cookie on the side that you're having this this conversation with your best friend, your boyfriend, your old friend, whoever it is yeah. that happens over and around food and drink in our culture and in cultures for the longest time. You know, um, something you mentioned about that, connecting with the people around the table over the blessing of the food. Uh, First, I'd like to address the blessing of the food um, because obviously that's something most of us grow up with, right? But um, I like to think of it as the gratitude for who picked this food, who harvested this food. Not just, yes, of course, I'm grateful to the earth for giving it, but I'm also grateful for the rain. I'm grateful for whoever it is that irrigated this so that we could that we could have it. And then taking that a step further, if you happen to be someone who partakes in, in meat, um, and of course, if you do, try to do it locally and humanely if you can. But I, I buy my meat at a local farm. I can see the cow across the street. Here's the cow and here's where I buy the meat. So I know how that animal was raised. I know the people who are processing that cow. And so I'm doing this in a, in a way where it's very conscious. And now I'm grateful for the animal, but I'm also grateful for the person who is raising and processing this because I wouldn't want to do that. You know, no. I, I wouldn't want to do that. But I appreciate so much that there's someone out there that has the reverence for this life and the cycle of life to be able to process this meat in this way and care and love these creatures so that we can can have sustenance and that whole cycle of life, which I is a little, you know, circle of life Disney moment there, but but that's that's truly how I feel about it. Um, and one other point to your point of that connecting with the folks you're eating with specifically if you are the person who cooked the meal right you put your energy into that meal and you are the the conduit of this nutrition and spiritual nutrition as i like to call it for the mm-hmm. people around you right that has gravity don't you think i do and you know i like the way you said that and i just want to read to you um the the food blessing that we use in in our circle oh yes please okay in the name of the silver lady of the night sky and the horned lord of the wild places we bless this feast food is the product of all the elements working together in perfect love and perfect trust to nurture and sustain us we are grateful for this feast and all of the hands both seen and unseen who have brought it here to feed us Blessed be. Blessed be. That gives me an immediate feeling in my heart chakra and my solar plexus that feels so true and so necessary. 
Yeah. Um, that I don't think people realize. Well, and how long did it take me to say that? 22 seconds. Right? It, it's not a big investment of time. No. Right? No. But you mean it, it, it and it feels appropriate on you. Right? Yeah. And it's just a little thing. Just a little thing you can do that, that just tweaks a meal and forces everybody just to kind of stop for a second. Mm-hmm. And if you spent 22 seconds saying that and looking at the faces of the people you're sharing the food with, even if it's just your own face reflected, I don't know, in a mirror or a drinking, the, in the, your the wine surface glass. of the water, you right. know, whatever. Right. Um, that's, that's something too. That's right? magic. That's and, magic. And you're, you, by modeling that, chin up, saying something, you know, meaningful and looking at everybody, everybody's looking back at you and at each other. And you've created 22 seconds of magic for a group of people, no matter how large or small, over the food you're about to eat mm-hmm. and reminding yourself and everyone else that people we don't even know brought this here for us. Right. You know? Right. If- what are we experiencing now in the world with food shortages? What are we experiencing now in the world with supply chain shortages? When people are sick or unable to show up to do those things, it directly does affect us. When we have mass dieouts of bees that aren't able to pollinate and we don't have fruit and vegetable, everything is linked, everything is affected. So to have such gratitude for the seen and the unseen to connect back to the cycle of earth, how it works and how all sustenance and all life comes from earth. If you took food off the planet, nothing would exist, right? Yeah. If, if, if the earth stopped giving food and we stopped tending the earth, nothing would exist from this microphone to this computer because there would be no people. So it is so important that we understand those connections, right? I just, and and that's, that's magic. And that's the earth magic. When you were saying earlier how Heather was like, she knows the kind of magic I do. She knows the kind of work I do. And that's why she was like, you're going to write earth. This is such an example to me as to why, you know, like, you're so connected with earth and you're so grounded in that practice. This is just how you feel about food. I, I would love to hear everything else you have to say about, about well, everything else, you know? Well, and it, it was like the, the, one of the, the, the subchapters in this book, uh, I talk about how to make compost. Oh, yeah. I, how, how do you tend to compost heap? And it was like, you know, Dodie, do we really need... Yes, we need to talk about garbage. Yeah. Thank you very much. Well, I mean, yeah, we need it. You know, if you want to look at an example of the cycles of death and rebirth and, you know, it, it, examine your compost pile. And I know that having a backyard compost pile is a privilege because not all of us have places to build a compost heap, mm-hmm. right? But there are ways you can still participate in that, you know, by sorting, you know, if, if your community has a, a, a community recycling program to actually take the time to separate 
your compostables from your, you know, other recyclables, you know, taking a little minute, taking up some time to invest in that. Um, and then people argue, well, that takes time, right? Well, maybe that time is your spiritual service. Right. Right. You know, right. time is time is a something we have that we can ration according to what matters to us. Right. Time is something we manage. So, you know, if you're looking at um, how to do devotional work, if you're looking at, you know, a type of sacrifice you need to make for, you know, spiritual purposes, why not use time as that oh, devotional work wow. or as that sacrificial offering, right? Right. Because most people look at the action and they'll say, well, I, I can't do the action because I don't have the time, right? They'll, oh, I can't go volunteer to be a picker for the fruit trees because I don't have the time to be a fruit picker for the fruit trees, but I want to devote time to the earth, right? Well, that's the whole, that's the whole thing right there is you changing the way you think about it and saying, my time is your commodity that you have to on offer yes. that you can apply according to your priorities. Right? Oh, I love that so much. If you're a, a big fan of a specific earth deity and you want to connect with them, you know, what is their, their thing? You know, what, what is their emblem? You know, maybe, um, maybe you're a, a Kernunos devotee mm -hmm. and you want to uh, show reverence and do some kind of devotional work well take your time and go volunteer for a i don't know a wildlife trust mm -hmm. or clean up your do some cleaning up in a local woodland you know take a, some gloves and a garbage bag and go clean up something give your time to that right, right because you know? magic is what happens in that time yeah right? it's how we how we choose to spend that time and like you said, the devotion of that time. I, I just, wow, that kind of just that was really, really a wonderful way of putting it. Um, in writing this book on Earth Magic, and I know it's been out for a while, but it's still, it's so new and it's so fresh. And, and there's such a fresh, fresh perspective, like we're talking about here, on how to commune with the element. Was there anything in particular that really inspired you or anything in particular that you learned that surprised you during the process of writing it? Well, I guess, I guess it was the, I don't know. Uh, so during the writing of this book, I was, I go for a lot of walks in my neighborhood. Mm -hmm. I'm very privileged to live in uh, a part of Canada. That's, you know, I mean, Canada is a big, big country. Yeah, it's pretty huge. <laughs> population density. So, you know, it 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 uh, it to somebody who lives in a really dense urban area, it might be funny to hear me say, you know, I live in a really green city, but you know, taking advantage of that and being forced to to articulate um, things I just naturally do, and being forced to write it down in an instructional way, yeah, um, was a, a really interesting process, and I found myself doing all these like goofy things to. Remember, okay, so I go wildcrafting in my neighborhood, right? There's a lot of wild plants that are, you know, native plants and naturalized plants that just happen to grow around here that I'm fond of that I use for magical purposes. But I don't think about it. I don't sit there and calculate 
measurements when I'm out with, you know, my dog in my harvesting basket. Right. But I had to do that. So I was doing all these like crazy lady things. Like I had this, this <laughs> basket, this basket that I has like long handles on it. I can yeah. like sling it over yeah, my yeah. shoulder, put my secateurs and pair of gloves in there. And, and I go off to cut some plants and I want to remember, it's like, okay, so what did I do? Okay. And, and I'm talking into my phone because it's, it's my, my voice recorder yes. and I've got my dog and my basket and my clippers and I'm out there doing all this crazy lady stuff in the back lanes in my neighborhood. So that was kind of fun. Great. Um, and to actually talk about it and learning how to talk about things in a more instructional way mm-hmm. and not just to, you know, okay, well, what am I assuming people are going to know about this? Right. Right. How innate these practices are in you and how they're second nature to you. I think that can be surprising when you begin a process like writing a book like this, where you're like, I didn't realize I'm doing these things automatically. I'm on autopilot when I'm yeah. when I'm cooking something, when I'm putting love intention into, you know, a tomato sauce. I don't think about it. It's what I do. It's it, it just happens. It just happens. It it's just like the happens. difference between cooking from a recipe in a book and just making your special dish that you make just from, you know, a pinch of this and a handful of that. You instinctually know how to do it. Yeah. So when you suddenly have to put in yeah. measurements and steps and some things that I was, I, I was doing, I realized, Oh my God, there's like 18 steps to this process. And if I had to break it down, yeah, you know, Whoa, I didn't realize yeah. I was doing so many, like, oh, so many shit. Small steps to get to this yeah. goal. It was, it was a bit shocking. Yeah. Um, but it, I mean, it, it edu- as educational for me as I hope it, it, could be for somebody else. So. It's funny because you learn, you think, oh, I'm going to write this book about my practice. And then you find out that your practice is writing the book, right? Like <laughs> it's right. It's, it's, it's now you're breaking down that practice and it's shining a light on everything that you do. And it becomes your almost like your manual. I just yeah. posted something the other day because I use my book as like, it's like my favorite aphrodisiac recipes and some of my favorite spells. And like, it's not, I didn't write it for someone else. I wrote it for myself. And I'm like, is it normal that I use my own book? Like I, I cook my own recipes, right? Like, because see, I got, yeah, I go back to it and I'm like, wow, I, I sounded pretty smart that day. But yeah, my, my own copy of this is like full of post-it notes, yes. right? And yes. it's like, you know, this is a good thing. This is something I want to remember to, to tell people this way. Yes. If it ever comes up in conversation again. If we can um, bring you it. You know, I, I whipped open my book to find the, the food blessing. Yeah. Now, I say that regularly. Every night, right? Yeah. But I, I had to whip it open partially because I didn't want to forget any of the words. Because right. sometimes I improvise depending on the situation, sure. right? Um, but uh, now we... You got to be proud of what you write. You got to be comfortable with what you write. So the fact that you're going back to your own book, Don, indicates to me that that book is very sincere. Well, it's interesting, right? Because I'm I'm thinking about how we started this conversation. And I'm looking at you with that book, with all of your post-it notes, and how this book is a chronicle of your practices and what you do and the steps in which you do them. And I realize, as you have realized, this is your which is diary. 
right? Aww. That's that's Aww. what it is. It is. I had to put a little tiny lock on it with one of those little tiny keys. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And and not only that, but you get to share it with everyone, you know? It's just it's a great piece and you've done great work with it and I think it's something that people can really connect with, you know, um, people that are looking to connect with the element of earth. I think you've done a really great job making it so, um, what's the word I'm looking for? Back to the tactile, like it's something that everyone can understand. It's something everyone can kind of get their arms around. And I think you've just done a really great job with it. And I'm just so grateful that you're willing to share your stories with us. Yeah, it's, uh, it's hilarious. I want to find the quote. I was totally choked up when, you know, people, when, when you write a book, there's this awkward uh, phase where uh, your, um, your editor says, okay, send your manuscript out to a bunch of people to blurb your book. Yes. Oh, <laughs> and I'm like, I don't know who to ask. Like I, I've, I had people in my mind that I would ask, yeah. but when it was like, I totally felt like a basket case about that. Like that part of the process was just so, so traumatic for me. I just could not, I did not know how to ask somebody, can you read my book and find something nice to say about it? But uh, I don't know if, if you've met uh, Tiffany Lazic, she wrote, uh, she's written a couple of fabulous books and uh, the great work. And the other one, it's around here somewhere. I'm choking. The Noble Art is the, the newer one. I have not met her, no. no she's another uh, another Canadian. Another Canadian. And, you know, I've got this this dream that Canadians are going to take over Llewellyn someday, but <clears throat> <clears throat> didn't say that out loud. <laughs> but what she said in, in her little blurb was, this is a fabulous hands-on, roll up your sleeves, get mucky, get muddy celebration of the earth. And I, lo- I was so excited that she got that. Like, yep. She get getting mucky and getting muddy mm-hmm. is just like, you know, literally with this, if you follow this book too closely, you could wind up covered in mud uh, or at least compost. But I love that she got that. Yes. You know, it, it there's so much um, emphasis in contemporary witchcraft to have a certain aesthetic. Mm. It's like Insta ready mm-hmm. beauty, you know? Yes. You know, like I feel, I, I always feel uh, self-conscious now about my hands being in a shot if yes. I'm posting something because I don't have a manicure. You yes. know, it's like, no, I'm a, I'm a grubby little ditch witch, you know, I'm oh, going to ditch witch. I love it. <laughs> I I'm crawling around in the ditch. I'm looking for something to wildcraft. Right. I'm checking out bird's nests. I'm chasing a snake. It's, it's all gotta be like that. Yeah. And she got that. And I loved, I was so, when she, when I read that blurb, I think it was the first one that came back. I was giddy that she had mucky and muddy in the description. It was just like yeah. such a reward. Yes. I'm like, okay, everything else is gravy. Well, I'll you always know? blurb for you. You can always Aww. ask me. I'd be happy to blurb right back for you. At you. Thanks. If you do, <laughs> if you do a cooking book or kitchen witch book, I will be happy to blurb for you. A hundred percent. Yeah. Seriously. Um, I think that we, I think it's awesome. And yeah, I mean, 
what's that's earth magic. You can't work with earth without getting it all over you. Right. I mean, I, I don't consider myself a garden, witch. um, I really, I'm a really good kitchen, witch. I'm great at cooking. I suck at growing things, but I do like to get dirty. I will be like, there's like a three or four times a year where I'm like, I just need to go dig in the dirt. And I'm so privileged to now own a home that has a giant yard and giant gardens. And I don't even know what to do with them, but the first time I ever went out and like was pulling weeds out of my front garden, there was a snake in my garden. And I was like, obviously I am meant to be here, right? Like I am a hundred percent jazz to be as dirty as possible, hanging out with the snakes. I got, I got snakes. I got voles and I'm from New York originally. So, you know, what wildlife was to me before was pigeons and, and raccoons, not raccoons, uh, squirrels and the occasional raccoon in a dumpster. But here, I, I have turkeys. <laughs> I don't know. You don't even know what to do. Like, oh my God, there's, we call them dinosaurs. They look like dinosaurs walking through the backyard. They're kind of mean. They are mean. They're really, they're bullies. Um, but that's the whole point of earth magic, right? Is to get in the earth, like dig it up, get in it. Like if you're going to do water magic, you should bathe. You should be in the ocean. You should connect with that element. The best way to connect with earth is dig something up, or plant something and then ingest the thing you plant, right? Like if you're planting like give something form, leave some, yes, give something a body. Yes. Oh. Right. And whether that's, whether that's uh, creating a poppet and putting your magical intent in that, yes. that, like it's literally a figure of a little body Yes. or, um, you know, m- making something, giving something form and putting your intent into that form. And that can take the form of cooking, that can take the form of gardening, that can take the form of, you know, doing wildlife volunteer rescue, that can take the form of, um, you know, anything you make. What, what are you making? What are you creating? What are you giving form and function to? And then imbuing your spirit and your intent. I love it so much. Uh, Dodie, awesome. I want to make another book about earth magic, damn it. Yeah, like, and you on. should. You have all that extra information. I, I Seriously, <laughs> you should. it should be called Earth Magic Digging Deeper, and it should be all this shit about digging in the dirt and planting stuff and making stuff. And everything that you've been talking about, it, like the subtitle should be Digging Deeper. And like well, the yeah, cover it, it, art should be like a trowel and dirt. <laughs> <laughs> It's a yeah, picture of I, you in a compost heap. Like <laughs> Yeah. Well, there's there's that and then there was the other the other uh uh subtitle that was uh I was like what what would I do? What would I do? I was like jamming like subtitle earth magic to m- money, death and fucking. No, that that no no. No, that one's Go good. Back, back, that, back one, no, that one's good. Yeah, okay. That one's you know, good. All of those kinds of like sensual earthy pleasures, yes. right? You know. Yes. You know. Somebody so needs busy. to write. We've got a sex magic book. There's a sex magic. There's, you know, <laughs> sex book. But nothing is like the art of magical fucking. Like, we need somebody. <laughs> I mean, I don't know. I think I'm too old to write that book. But I, it should be written. Well, maybe, you know what? I, I will challenge that. And I will say, maybe you're not old enough. I'm pretty old. <laughs> no, but think, you know, I, I would take a Crohn's wisdom on that topic before some kids. Well, I appreciate that you're life experience. I I, I appreciate that you're, you're comparing me to a kid, but I'm pretty old. Maybe you're too old. Maybe you're not young enough to do it. 
Yeah, maybe I'm too old to do it. Yeah, maybe I'm too old. Who no, would, no. I, when it, I think when it comes to that kind of wisdom, you want as much experience as you can get you, under your belt. Right. You don't want somebody who doesn't know what they're doing. That's right. 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 You are just so fun. <laughs> I'm just uh, having the best time with you. So, Dodie, we are running out of time. I don't know how that happened. Like, I feel like I blinked and it's the end. Um, so tell us where we can find your book. Tell us where we can find you online, how to follow you. If people want to, you know, be with you on Instagram and learn about digging stuff up, how do they find you? Um, well, uh, the, the book was published by Llewellyn, so it's, mm-hmm. it'll be readily available at your local bookseller. Yeah. Um, you know, please support your local independent witch shop. Failing that, you can order it online from, if you're in the U.S., from Llewellyn Direct, uh, Amazon, anywhere. Um, but, you know, local independent booksellers are, are going to look after you better than anybody else. Sure. Um, I have a website, mm-hmm. uh, Um I'm Dodie underscore GM on Instagram. And I have a Facebook account, Dodie Graham McKay Books and Films. So those are all places where you can see uh, lots of pictures of dirt and lots of pictures of my dogs. Yay! Uh, I also, one of my things that I like to create is candles. So I'm constantly posting candle making pictures. Awesome. Um, awesome. So yeah, there's, there's all kinds of, of goofy stuff on there. And I, I, you know, lots of food porn. You know, yes. I, I, nothing comes out of the oven looking pretty without a photo shoot. You know, it's ridiculous. So. Excellent. Well, um, Dodie Graham McKay, you are fantastic. I have one more question. I ask this to everyone that comes on the show. um, And I think it's really fun to ask when I have someone who also practices kitchen witchery. So I obviously am a kitchen witch. And my main form of magical practice and spiritual practice is food and cooking. And if I, if you could have me cook one magical meal for you, what would it be and why? And that's tough because you're a great cook. So you don't really need me to cook anything for you, right? You can make whatever you want yourself. So what would it be if I was going to cook something for you and why? Okay. I'm going to say, I would. if you could cook something for me, it would be um, something mushroom based. Like I, I'm like cuckoo for Cocoa Puffs over mushrooms. I love mushrooms. So like, beautiful sauteed portobello or maybe a stuffed mushroom, Mm. something with a lot of herbs, something with garlic, something with, with like buttery tones in it. Um, Ooh, what about, what about a gorgeous mushroom risotto? Yeah. See, I would just take a bath in that. I would be rolling in it. I'd be just covered in it from head to toe. Do you like truffle? I, I, I really like truffle. Like I'm, I, I, anything mushroom related, I'm just like, like I go, I go silly for mushroom stuff. Would you let me send you a present? (laughs) Would that be, would that be weird? So I have a limited edition olive oil that we only make at the holidays and it's a, Mm. it's a porcini mushroom and white truffle olive oil. I make a limited batch every year. Um, I may or may not have like, three bottles left in my possession from this from this year's batch i usually reserve one or two for myself or for family members but i might be 
Are you just okay? Okay. <laughs> Mushrooms and and truffle and risotto for you. That's your. That's gonna be your magical meal. Ah, uh, my mouth is watering. So now I want jam and uh. truffles because <laughs> that's what we're talking about. And I haven't had lunch yet today. So. Oh, and you know we had such a bad drought here last. Did you last summer? And wicked forest fires that were yes. burning you know a couple hundred in some cases like we were getting smoke from california coming up here because of a, a strange air current but a lot of crops failed so there yep. was we live in a strawberry belt here oh, wow. there were no strawberries last year zero wow saskatoon berries very 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 low numbers wow uh Raspberries practically non-existent. So it was a terrible year for preserves until the several oranges came up from California uh, in January. So, you know, we it's import. It's not exactly local. Yeah. But so it's it's a marmalade season mm. now because there's just there was just no soft fruit for jam making. It was just yeah. really lame this year. Wow. Wow. But uh, well, listen, I'm gonna try to send you something. And I when and if it arrives, you must let me know and you have to cook something with it and post uh-huh. it and let me see because I would love to see how your earth magic mind comes up with something to go with it. It would just, I would just love, I love to see what people create with my stuff. Like if I'm like, here's a little inspiration. Now go do your thing. I loved it because often people like blow my minds. Well, you know, you know what a lovely thing to do with truffle oil is? Mm. Everything. And I, I, there's a, a, a fancy olive oil store here that sells two white truffle and black yeah, truffle, truffle oil. I buy little bottles of it, whatever. <laughs> scrambled eggs. Yes. So just some scrambled, yes. scrambled eggs. As, as the egg is setting, throw in a glop of sour cream, like real sour cream. Yep. And stir that in with the eggs. And then a handful of whatever herbs you have growing in a pot outside or on your windowsill, just some chives or basil, whatever. Thyme, doesn't matter. Just mm-hmm. fresh herbs. You got to have the sour cream in there. So it makes it like fluffy and creamy and delicious. Super creamy. Yeah. Like super creamy. Yeah. And don't let those eggs get too hard. Throw them on some toast and then with truffle oil drizzled on top. It's all you need. Oh my God. I do with this truffle oil that I make is it's a porcini and white truffle. So it's, you know, sometimes you can get a truffle oil that's overly truffly. Mm -hmm. and, And that's something my husband does not enjoy, right? This he loves, which is hilarious because he doesn't like mushrooms and he doesn't like truffle, but he loves this. him anyway. He's gorgeous. Okay. Well, that goes for <laughs> and, something. And yeah. he's wonderful. Like, he's so wonderful and he's gorgeous. So, you know, I let it go. Um, <laughs> but he'll try everything. Like, he'll taste everything, right? So, for him and the mushrooms, it's a texture thing. You know, if I chop them up small enough and cook them, he'll eat them. He likes the flavor, but he doesn't like the texture of like a raw mushroom. It's a, it's a texture thing, which is fine. Cause I don't like plain sour cream. I don't like cream cheese. I hate yogurt. It's a texture thing, but onion dip, I could eat all day long, you know? Hmm. So it's, it's a plain texture thing. So I just get russet potatoes and I slice them into thick steak fries and I coat them with this truffle olive oil, this mushroom truffle mm-hmm. olive oil. I throw them in the oven on like 425, 450 just until they get crispy on the edges, take them out. And while they're still hot, I put shaved Parmesan on top. And you just have, it's like two minutes and it's truffle fries. And they're so good. They make your face hurt. You can't stop eating them. 
That sounds so up my alley. And that's all it is. It's potatoes and olive oil. And I'm a happy girl. Okay. Uh, We have got to wrap it up. Okay, let's wrap this up. I will send you my address back, Jen. <laughs> yes, please. Yes, please. Okay, Dodie McKay, thank you so much for being here. Everybody check out Earth Magic. Uh, I'm just, I have another new best friend. I love doing podcasts because I make best friends every day. Um, and until next time, I wish you many blessings and so much gratitude. Thanks for being here. Thank you.